you have to be to have a level two Discord. Like your Discord is boosted to level two. Sounds like someone's imagine a little. Nerd, imagine how nerdy, nerdy you have to be to have. Hey, that. listen. Sounds like someone's a little jealous. I didn't pressure anybody into that. People just started doing it, and I just let it roll. I, was, well, I mean, it was funny because you were talking to a couple of our friends about Discord Nitro, and I was like, I don't know, that sounds expensive. And then I just had it anyway from Game Pass mm-hmm. that I paid a dollar for. Yep. So, yeah. Uh-huh. I like, didn't know that was a thing. Yep. And now we've got There's, all the animated yeah, emojis that month. we could handle. <laughs> uh, no, it's three months. Yeah. I've got it till and the if end you have, of the year. If you have Discord Nitro, you get three months free of Game Pass PC as well. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. So I fell into this weird rabbit hole the other day, reading old video game reviews like I do. Mm-hmm. This is from the like PS2, GameCube, Xbox era. And one of the <laughs> things I consistently saw that I thought was kind of funny was how much lower like ports were usually rated score wise, mm-hmm. like regardless of whatever version was better. But like so many times did reviewers just like, well, this is last year's game that I already played, so like, like you fucking imagine if stuff is still reviewed that way today. Like each instance that like the Switch got a game like way after the fact, and the voices would reflect that. It should be that way though, if you think about it. Because like, look at the three of us and Control, right? Yeah. Like Chris doesn't have an Xbox One X, and that game ran like absolute shit for him to yeah, the point the where like console. Other than the fact that you also didn't like the game, Chris, but like you didn't finish it, but that game has the same score. I honestly think if I had the opportunity to enjoy it, I probably would have, like from what I've seen. Oh, okay. I was just saying, like, it has one it has one Metacritic score for Xbox One, but the Xbox One X version is playable and the Xbox One version isn't. Well, that's why I brought up the Switch, because it's like (laughs) those games more often than not, like they look worse, play worse, and cost more. Like, you know, like, instead it's everyone's favorite fucking thing ever when an edition of anything gets announced for it. You have to add three points because you can play it handheld. Yeah, yeah, there's even a Twitter account that parodies. Yeah. Bring it to the switch, but but no, I know what you mean, and um, I guess yeah, there 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 is a little bit of like a boost because you are able to do something with it that you can't on any other platform and have it. Not anymore, X Cloud, baby. But, yeah, <laughs> but I still think that Nintendo curve is real, and I do think that once the PS4 Pro and the Xbox. One X were out. All the reviews from that point out were for those. For those they platforms are, specifically. but they don't. They rarely ever test them. Digital Foundry is such a great resource because they still do like Crash Bandicoot 4, which came out a couple days ago as of this recording. And I just found out about it two days ago. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I had no fucking clue. Like we were just sitting in discord and a friend of ours was like, oh, yeah, the new Crash. And me and Jason were just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. we're just like, oh, but that game has great reviews. And then I watched the Digital Foundry thing and they're like, yeah, the performance is not good on PS4 and Xbox One. But it's a full 60 frames on the other ones, and it's like, no, I never saw that in any review. That's the thing. If if it is your job to review games or if you're working for, like, an outlet to do that stuff, like, you're going to have access to the newest platforms. And that is, Mm -hmm. like, you know, forever what your experience with new products are going to be is, like, Mm -hmm. the latest and greatest, like... I mean, do you think there's still people... Yeah, that makes sense. But, I mean, it's the same thing with people playing on older video cards or on old VR sets. You know, it's like if... Yeah, no, for... 
it, it makes a huge difference. I think there should be definitely like I do see it in a lot of reviews. If you see a good reviewer, you will see somebody just be like, um, it runs a little like shit here, or like, you know, this mainly is like we did run this on an Xbox One X, so it does, you know, have this sort of performance, but yeah, yeah, I think it needs to be more baked, more baked into it, honestly, because especially I agree. With PC and gaming, there's yeah, such a it's almost impossible. Of people but, who have access to things, yeah, yeah, and like if obviously all of these sites that you know that we talk about all the time are probably have the best PC hardware available. Like, yeah. if you are a full time editor for IGN or GameSpot, you're gonna have the newest VR helmet, you know, like or headset, like, and you're gonna have the well, that was. The latest cards. Side and- note, I got very upset, and I'm sure one specific listener that I know of, but a lot of listeners will will take issue with this, but there was, there's been a lot of talk of Hades, which we started playing. Hell yeah. Uh, being uh, the game of the year this year, yep. and I completely agree with that. I absolutely love Hades, and Dan Stapleton, who is like the editor, not the editor-in-chief, but he is... He might be editor-in-chief now. I don't know. IGN's weird now, but he is very high up in the reviews part of IGN. And he's like, I've seen a lot of people talking about how Hades is game of the year. And he's like, I don't really think it's game of the year material. It just goes to show that a lot of you haven't played Half-Life Alex." And the comments are just like, no we shit, fucking dude. Can't. Hades cost twenty dollars, and Half Life <laughs> yeah. Alex cost a thousand sixty. Like, go fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> He's like, and they're like, we don't doubt it's a Half Life game made by Valve, and the reviews were great. I'm, I'm sure, sure it yeah. might. It probably is actually the game of the year. <laughs> I don't know, but in the grand scheme of things, know. it's not going to be talked about in game of the year conversations amongst the general public because of the barrier. Yes, to entry, it's and not fair. Even people who can afford yeah. it, like. I mentioned, I mentioned, I mentioned uh, our friend and listener, Andrew. Uh, I think that who, is his game of who, the year. That's yeah, his fair, game yeah. of the year, and I'm sure he's not wrong about that. It is a Half-Life game, and he played it, and he convinced his brother to also play it, but his brother wanted to play it on the Valve Index, and so and he, he bought a Valve in Index. It and took a month. Yeah. He's finally playing it, but I think he bought that thing in May and got it in, like, September or some crazy <laughs> shit like that. It's like... Yes, I'm sure Half-Life Alex is game of the year, and God do I wish I could play it, but... Yo, can you fucking imagine if it was like that for, like, music? It's like, well, this record costs, like, this much, so, like... <laughs> well, no, it'd be, it would be like yeah, if, yeah, a, so this if a record came like out, they're like... Or movies, yeah. It sounds like shit on a on an iPod headphones, but, like, if you have, like, a $10,000 stereo system, this is the album of the year. Well, it's like, well, I don't, so... <laughs> well, no, it's, it's not even that, because it's, like, it's not like I could play... Half Life Alex for the cheap, you know, like the, <laughs> you can. Well, you could get a, an Oculus Quest for like thirty three hundred dollars, and that's comparatively cheap. Sure. Well, but I mean, it still demands Mark Zuckerberg. It still demands and space, empire. and yeah, you know, it does. Like, yeah, no, it, it it is way more, and three hundred dollars is cheap, but not especially for like when I look at a game like Hades. That comparison, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, th- yeah, that is this is not even close. All right. And we're back with another special bonus episode for our 2020 Halloween season. Initially, the way the weeks lined up this year was just going to be the two, but then Austin insisted with this uh, gnarly story that I honestly know very little about. So I'm going to be going on the journey with you guys, really, as we learn and get scared together. A year ago, we covered one of gaming's biggest urban legends ever, Polybius. We were saying probably the 
Yeah, like, probably definitely well, the well biggest, known. Yeah. yeah, finding out that sometimes the truth can be even stranger than the fiction that surrounds it. Though, what about these smaller mysteries? One that on the surface could just be passed off as a simple campfire tale, except underneath a bizarre investigation covered in obsession, lies, and conspiracies. This is Hot Button. I'm Randall Beatrice here, as always, with Austin Blakesley Ooh. and Chris Antoine. It's it's a me. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that from way back. That's not spooky. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, I just got to do... What did I do last time? Uh, cackle cackle witch, like a witch. Yeah. A witch cackle. All right, hold on. Hold on. Uh, uh, I got Gotta something here. I'll, up for I'll put my keyboard up to the mic. This is... This is I, mean, I mean, this is bones. There's some... <laughs> Bones crinkling on the, f- the floor. Oh Blood. my god, that's crazy. Yeah. Now that's scary. <laughs> oh, finally my $80 RGB keyboard worth something. <laughs> it was like a very expensive joke, but it was good. So what is uh what the hell is up with today's uh topic? I only know of like maybe the very beginning and then deliberately refrained from looking up literally anything else past that, as per your instructions. So Yes. Are well, you going to pull a Kowloon on us or? We'll see. <laughs> okay. So I started looking into gaming urban legends. Did you find, did you did... find the, the, the nude cheat for the Lara Croft or, no. or Tomb Raider? Is it? Uh, I, started looking, <laughs> well, I started looking into video game we'll urban legends answer. after we did our Polybius episode and I found a lot of listicles. The Minus World is real. And in those listicles was a lot of like, oh, did you know that like Lavender Town is a graveyard and oh, shit? Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, wild, yeah. dude. Uh, but the top three <laughs> were gotta always... Have, gotta have that music playing. The yeah. top three were always three of the same games. Number one is obviously always Polybius. Never heard of it. Number two and three were Pale Luna okay. and right. Kill Switch. Oh, the the PS2 uh, no. like cover shooter. Different, oh. different kill switch. More <laughs> more check than that kill switch. <laughs> Who developed that game? The cover shooter, yeah. or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was like, you don't know where they're from. They could be from. It's true. They could the Czech Republic. But I decided to look into Pale Luna. Now, Pale Luna, for those of you that don't know, is a video game creepypasta. It's just a scary, like Randy said, scary campfire story about video games. Not a very threatening name. <laughs> no. So I'm actually going to start this episode and read to you the creepypasta, okay. and then we'll get a little bit into the investigation Ooh. afterwards. So I guess neither neither was a pet scop or Ben's game. They don't actually send that scary unless you... No. <laughs> so... Okay. In the last decade and a half, it's become infinitely easier to obtain exactly what you're looking for by way of a couple keystrokes. The internet has made it all too simple to use a computer to change reality. An abundance of information is merely a search engine away to the point where it's hard to imagine life as any different. Yet a generation ago, when the words streaming and torrent were meaningless, save for conversations about water, Hmm. people met face to face to conduct software swaps trading games, and applications on Sharpie-labeled five-and-a-quarter-inch floppies. Of course, most of the time, the meets were a way for frugal, community-minded individuals to trade popular games, such as King's Quest or Maniac Mansion, uh, amongst themselves. (laughs) However, a few early programming talents designed their own computer games to share amongst their circle of acquaintances, who in turn would pass it on until, if fun and well-designed enough, an independently developed game had its place in the collection of aficionados across the country. Think of it as the 80s equivalent of a viral video. Pale Luna, on the other hand, was never circulated outside of the San Francisco Bay Area. 
All known copies have been long disposed of. All computers that have ever run the game now detritus buried under layers of filth and polystyrene. <laughs> the fact is attributed to a number of rather obtruse design choices made by the programmer. Pale Luna is a text adventure in the vein of Zork or the Lurking Horror. Zork! At a time when said genre was swiftly going out of fashion. Upon booting the program, the player was presented with a screen almost completely blank except for the text, You are in a dark room. Moonlight shines through the window. There is gold in the corner, Luna. along with a shovel and a rope. There is a door to the east. Command. So begin the game that one writer for a long out-of-print fanzine decried as enigmatic, nonsensical, and completely unplayable. As the only commands that the game would accept were pick up gold, pick up shovel, pick up rope, open door, and go east. The player was soon presented with the following. Reap your reward. Pale Luna smiles at you. You are in a forest. There are paths to the northwest and east. Command. What quickly infuriated the few who've played the game was the confusing <laughs> and buggy nature of the second screen onward. <laughs> Only one of the directional decisions would be the correct one. For example, on this occasion, a command to go in the direction other than north would lead to the system freezing, requiring the operator to hard reboot the entire computer. Further, any subsequent screens seem to merely repeat the above text, with the difference being only the directions available. Worse still, the standard text adventure commands appeared to be useless. The only accepted non-movement related prompts were use gold, which would display the message not here, use shovel, which, you, which displayed not now, and use rope, which prompted You've already used this. Sounds like a text-based uh, adventure, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most who played the game progressed a couple screens into it before becoming fed up by having to constantly reboot and just toss the disc in disgust, writing off the experience as a shadowly programmed farce. However, there is one thing about the world of computers that remains true, no matter the era. Some people who use them have way too much time on their hands. <laughs> a young man by the name of Michael Nevins decided to see if there was more to Pale Luna than met the eye. Five hours and 33 screens worth of trial and error unplugging computer cords later, he finally managed to make the game display different text. The text in this new area read, Pale Luna smiles wide. There are no paths. Pale Luna smiles wide. The ground is soft. Pale Luna smiles wide. Here. Command. And now he's dead. Hold on. <laughs> it was another hour before Nevins stumbled upon the proper combination of phrases to make the game progress any further. Those were dig hole, drop gold, fill hole. This caused the screen to display congratulations, 40.24248, negative 121.4434, upon which the game ceased to accept commands, unlocked. requiring Nevins to reboot the computer one last time. After some deliberation, Nevins came to the conclusion that the numbers referred to lines of latitude and longitude, and the coordinates led oh, to a yes. point in the sprawling forest that dominated the nearby Lassen Volcanic Park. As he possessed much more free time than sense, Nevins vowed to see Pale Luna through to its ending. The he, next day, he lucked out that there was that close. Yeah. The next day, <laughs> armed with a map, a compass, and a shovel, he navigated the park's trails, noting with amusement how each turn he made corresponded roughly to those that he took in game. Though he initially regretted bringing the cumbersome <sighs> digging tool on a mere hunch, the past similarity all but confirmed his suspicion that the journey would end with him face to face with an eccentric buried treasure. Out of breath, after a tricky struggle with the coordinates, he was pleasantly surprised by a little stumble upon a patch of uneven dirt. Shoveling as excitedly as he was, it would be an understatement to say that he was taken aback when his heavy strokes unearthed a badly decomposing head of a blonde-haired little girl. Nevins promptly reported the situation to the authorities. The girl was identified as Karen Paulson, age 11, reported as missing to the San Diego Police Department a year and a half earlier. Efforts were made to track down the programmer of Pale Luna, 
but the nearly anonymous legal gray area in which software swapping operated in inescapably led to many dead ends. Collectors have been known to offer upwards of six figures for an authentic copy of the game. The rest huh. of Karen's body was never found. And that is the story of Pale Luna. No, that's oh! that's <laughs> that's geocaching, dude. <laughs> dude, I got fucking goosebumps, bro. <laughs> and the, and yeah. The skeleton jumped out. Honestly, I like the setup of that a lot where it's kind of like poetic in its kind of portrayal of of like what rare media used to be. Exactly. Like the, yeah. like the whole idea of people who used to distribute like like those communities that would like pass around tapes and CDs and and you know, a lot of a lot of horror stuff and that was like you know, when you look back at even the, the way that bands like Nine Inch Nails would do guerrilla marketing was mm-hmm. through shit like that. And that was, there's there's an eeriness to it. And So before we begin the investigation, do you guys have any memories or experiences with creepypastas? Yes. Okay. I you, was young once. Yeah. No. No. no I, yeah, like skateboard, me, I like skateboarding and drugs. I don't like scary shit. Yeah, you, you can like skateboarding, drugs, and scary shit. I wasn't a big horror fan, so these these <laughs> look at Deadly Premonition. To, it's got all three of those. They used to kind of freak me out. I never really read them, but there's something to collaborative like storytelling on the internet. That's really cool. Like you know, you kind of don't know where things come from, and and obviously the you know your bigger ones like Slender Man kind of take over in a way that just sort of become like. You eventually, you just sort oh, like of shrug the your shoulders at it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. The enemy from Minecraft? That's Enderman. Yeah. <laughs> He's in Smash Brothers now. <laughs> it's true. I think, who is it? <laughs> it's yeah, great. it's true. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's Enderman. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for that update next week. It's going to be great. But yeah, no, I used to um, dabble in the, what was it? It was Slash X on 4chan mm-hmm. was their paranormal boards. And then um, Reddit. Oh, God, what was the name of... Can't think of it, but yes, <laughs> to answer your question. When you look at stuff like SCP and everything, those were that was huge, like back when we were in high oh, school. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, I like the SCPs. That does that count as creepy pasta? Absolutely. I do like those. Yeah, that's okay. like the very definition of of kind of like people building off of an an original idea and sort of just making it its own. Like I wrote a couple of SCPs too. Yeah, and and you know the quality of those can varies because some people are better writers than others, but it's uh, but they can be yeah. they they can keep you up late. And like there's like four, there's like four good SCPs. <laughs> yeah, I like I said, I was never huge into creepy pastas, but there was something about Pale Luna that intrigued me. I'm not a horror person, but I am a video game person. Yeah, initially when you you like uh, you pitched it to me, I wasn't sure at first, and then uh, just hearing some of the craziness that uh, uh, you're about to get into, uh, yes, th- this felt different. That's when I was on board. I was like, okay. Yes. <laughs> um, now I also have a penchant to scroll down to the comments of anything on the internet because I hate myself. <laughs> so that, sc- that's where we differ. <laughs> this is what really piqued my interest. I scrolled down to the comments to arrive at a bunch of arguments as to whether or not this story was real. Mm-hmm. Now, I, of course, not being a fan of creepypastas, did not know. I was under the impression that they're obviously fiction. Well, you, do you want to real. assume that anything that you read that's scary isn't real? Well, I, yeah. I want to believe. Yeah. I know, but... <laughs> There's a lot of people commenting on the plausibility of the story, trying to poke holes in the details. Right, uh, yeah. But I was more shocked at the people giving credibility to it. It almost read like people role playing. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, like well, that's that's why I brought up the slash X and like and what some of those re- uh, subreddits used to be. I mean, obviously with 4chan before, a bunch of horrible people took over that site. And but yeah, it's like uh, 
I don't know. It, there's something about this sort of everyone is in on it mentality, but then you can't tell just what level of dedication that everyone's on. <laughs> yeah. So I decided out of sheer curiosity to dig a little deeper. One quick yeah. Google search for Pale Luna would provide pretty fruitful. Uh, obviously, there were countless numbers of listicles, like I mentioned, about the scariest urban legends and stories in video games. Uh, cool. And I, like I said, a lot of video game Easter eggs and a lot of Pale Luna, a lot of Kill Switch, and of course, Polybius. Mm -hmm. Next up in the digging, not one, but two IMDb pages for short films named Pale Luna. I would go on to find that both of them are, in fact, based on the creepypasta. Huh, that's Want interesting. The first one, a French film made in 2016. Wow, I got that far. Okay. And the second one was an American film made in 2018 in South Dakota. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know about either of these. The search also turned up a podcast. Uh, South Dakota's a state, if you didn't know about that. Yeah. That's what you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess nobody owns this name or idea like you know that's why the, people can expand on a it. search for the second film because i wanted to watch it since it was a short film i couldn't find it but it did turn up a podcast where they interviewed the director of the short film since it was entered into something called the laugh and slash film festival in south dakota <laughs> in 2019 awesome. basically the guy knew about creepypastas and he knew of video games, but he did not play video games. He was just looking for a horror film to make okay, and make cheaply. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't have to acquire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he happened upon the creepypasta, changed up a few things to make it work better as a film, and apparently right. got entered into some festivals and is working on a sequel as we speak. Huh. Called Pale Dawn or something. Uh, Marvels. Uh... <laughs> this, of course, led me into YouTube, where a search for Pale Luna would, as with any creepypasta, reveal a ton of YouTube videos. Most of them reenactments, some animated reenactments, some physical reenactments, some people doing a Are You Afraid of the Dark? Uh, I feel like it's tough to hit on the initial level of just reading a weird internet story. Uh -huh. Like that's where like that's where the the kind of the true put yourself in the shoes of like Yeah, some the of them were, you know, literally people around a campfire telling each other the story and talking about right. it. Some of them were old Windows Movie Maker style things with weird gifts <laughs> that would like star wipe away. Yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of wonder how, um, what liberties they took or if they just sort of literalized the, that sort of core story. Yeah. And not without a couple analysis videos sort of breaking down of the story and, and how it could be valid, sure. which led to the gold mine, AKA okay. Reddit. Mm. I found <laughs> Yeah, I that's found what a, I call it. I found a lot of Reddit threads about the story, how it could have happened, what it meant, what the author slash person was trying to say, figure out, whatever. Yeah, so this was like boiled down to like one individual who started the story, right? Like it was his identity just well known at this point or no? Because a lot a lot of creepypastas are kind of begin with some amenity before Yeah, I think it was anonymous. Nobody knew who the no author was, them. Yeah. but I stumbled upon a Reddit post in r slash creepy gaming. 
Yes. Titled, I found a physical copy of Pale Luna, question mark, posted by Vladimir Lenin's mummy on January 6th, 2017. <laughs> I hate to uh, cut you off, but r slash group gaming was where I uh, I started my digging on uh, Hong Kong 97. Because the, the guy that I, I think, actually, no, I think that came up also in our story because that... Uh, what was his name? Like healthy gamer or something. The guy that actually did find a copy posted it in there. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, sometimes legitimate shit is right, like, exactly. <laughs> so somebody is claiming they have a legitimate copy of pale Luna. Yeah. Now the Reddit thread text reads as follows. I'll prefix everything I'm saying by saying this story is a hundred percent true. Not that it's exceptionally exceptionally unbelievable. It's just no one seems to believe anything on the internet anymore. Can't blame them, honestly. I think that's what makes it so creepy yeah. is that it's it, it, there's a true crime element to it, not a spiritual. Yeah, you know. That's precisely what made it creepy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, story time. The other day I was at a local estate sale. I wasn't expecting to find anything that exciting. Just maybe a few games or something. Everyone around here is super old and most yard sales are mostly glassware with some questionable furniture. Luckily, there was one small box of 10 to 15 DOS games on floppy disks. I leafed through them <laughs> and saw a disk in there with a pretty lazily scrawled homemade label that said Pale Luna. I was pretty sure I heard of the name before, so I picked it up with the rest of the games I'd with the it. intention of looking it up later. To my surprise, I found out that the game is the subject of a gaming creepypasta that I had read a few years ago. I was a little spooked, to be honest. Regardless, I loaded it up and discovered that it is a fully playable MS-DOS game. It plays just like it was described in the creepypasta. I have no idea if this is the original game or a fan recreation, but whatever, it's pretty darn convincing. Here's a picture of the floppy with my username to prove it. It's original or whatever. Pardon the poor lighting and low camera quality. I've got awful lights and an awful phone, LOL. If anyone's interested in the files, I can copy them off the floppy and put them up for download. Pretty sure they're virus-free, but I've also never heard of someone getting a virus from DOSBox. <laughs> I'd be so into this thread. <laughs> also, I've only gotten to screen seven before I got bored of trial and erroring it. The directions I wrote down were north, south, southeast, north, north. Edit. Here's a download link, and then there's a link to a Dropbox of the game. I mean, what's interesting in the, it's like one of the first things that came to my mind was like, oh, maybe he made something, he was inspired by it, and then wrote this fiction to go along with it, because that happened a lot with the Polybius stuff. Yeah. There, there's like, you can download, you know, various yeah, ROMs that a, people made. there's an made. official Polybius game There is too, now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with the, yeah. But, uh, well, what's the, would it crash the computer in the same way that it did in the past? That kind of removed some of the... So it, it, would, a good it point. would crash DOSBox. Toughness from it. Oh, right. It would, okay. it would crash the emulator. But the thing about emulators is that DOSBox specifically, there are some emulators specifically made for games like Zork because there are fail states and you can rewind a command instead of just yeah. restarting. So that would help a lot with the trial and erroring of the thing. It's not going to freeze your whole computer. You don't have to unplug your computer right. and plug it back in. I've now, only ever used DOSBox a little bit, but you it's do have been to. a while. That's what I was yeah. saying. That sort of dedication to the that's what kind of made the to the craft. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I have to finish this. I need to see what's at the end. It's got to be difficult to get to. Like, well, and then he's like, I actually got to go out and kill someone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just inspires. Uh, like, there were some comments uh, under the Reddit thread about the validity of the copy of the game. Of course, of it not being original. Yeah, a lot of, of course, talk about yeah. the game being from the '80s, and the picture posted showed a floppy disk with zero wear and tear, a fresh <laughs> white label with pale Luna scribbled very creepily right. with a pen. Hey, hey the Similar thing happened with Hong Kong. Yeah. Like, you know, like 
the rest of the thread is people trying to figure out the correct instructions to actually finish the game since the guy uploaded a version of it. Mm-hmm. The game, much like the game from the original story, would crash if the correct input was given, or I guess it would crash Dosh Box. Although, cool. through trial and error, <laughs> users were able to beat the game. The game was coded in Z code, the same language used to code Zork, and through the help of Frots. Is that what the Z stands for? <laughs> yeah. D- dumb. Zork the whole sentence was dumb. <laughs> uh, a DOSBox emulator built for allowing you to rewind in text based games for fail states. The final commands That's were discovered, nice. which led to the same screen of congratulations followed by the same longitude and latitude coordinates. So the, are those coordinates actually real? Like they're like. like- Yes. Okay. If you look up those coordinates, it does lead to Lassen Volcanic Park in San Francisco. Yes. All right. And it does lead to the middle of a forest. Cool. Man. Yeah. All right. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Which we'll get to a little bit of that investigation in a bit. The comment of it actually being beaten with screenshots of the final thing (laughs) led to a thread of people saying someone should go dig up whatever's there. (laughs) Led to an argument about whether or not the story was real, obviously. And if it was... There's not going to be anything there. The cops already recovered the head. They're not going to bury it again, right? Oh, man. If, well, if this person um, orchestrated yeah. this whole thing, what would they hide there? Like, But also, if it isn't true, somebody who made this fake version might have buried someone there as some sort of weird geocaching like con- ARG kind of Fuck. game. That's, um, I mean, it's, it's San Francisco, right? You said yeah. So that's some Zodiac copy killer shit. Uh-huh. That city has, it has a history of... This led to the guy who solved the game agreeing to go. Others warning him that, hey, maybe don't go alone, uh, yeah. which led to yeah. a follow-up post by that <laughs> same mug, user at the very least. in r slash ARG asking if anybody wanted to go with him to the coordinates. Uh, <laughs> oh, this is good. Unfortunately, there were no comments on that post, and I do not know if that guy actually went <laughs> oh, God, that's or so much if worse. he's still alive. <laughs> um, but these posts also led me to a six-minute YouTube video from August 2017 titled Pale Luna Coordinates Proof, uh, uh-huh. which consists of a guy breathing very heavily into a mic and a computer being filmed uh, <laughs> from the screen, looking up the coordinates that show that they do indeed lead to Lassen Volcanic Park, trying to zoom in to see if he could find a uneven pile of dirt. Uh-huh. Um and then later, trying to look up San Diego police records to see if he could find any record of a Karen Paulson. This is going a little too far. With no luck, obviously, In because way that I'm into. police records are not exactly public. Yeah, I think it, it it actually ranges by county sometimes, and there has to be a certain amount of, like, a, a date when that actually becomes available. And, and obviously, cases can't be open. The only thing but. that turned up was a real estate agent. In her looks to be late 50s, early 60s, named Karen Paulson from the San Diego Bay or oh, San no. Francisco Bay area. They didn't start harassing her, did they? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Where's um, your head? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and finally, to the last bit of investigation on my part, I found another Reddit thread by a user simply named Anon5037. That's a little uh, saying that they were making a game based on the story of Pale Luna. Wait, which story? Like the meta? Like I'm, I'm kind of lost. The, the, like, the creepypasta. Right. They were trying to make the game. There kind of already was a game. <laughs> okay. Let me get there. <laughs> All right. They were asking some YouTuber whose Reddit page this was if they would do a playthrough of it, since that YouTuber had previously posted a reading of the story, but they got no response. This was, however, posted Markiplier. a few weeks was posted a few weeks before the post of the user who found a copy at an estate sale. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and the name being a non-5037. Yeah, they could have Kind of suspicious. Yeah. But that is unfortunately the dead end of my investigation into oh, no. Tao Luna. Like I said, all these posts come up as dead ends. As far as I can tell, no one actually made it to the spot or dug up anything, Come on, or let's at go least and, posted anything about it. Let's go and record let's it. Let's get a, a San Francisco <laughs> plane ticket. Yeah. Live document. Hot button exclusive. Or maybe they did go, and they died. Ooh. All uh, the more reason for us to check it out. Except I left out the most important bit of my investigation. Tricked you. Ah, uh, if you navigate your way back bitch. to the original Creepypasta wiki page where I copied the story from, uh-huh. you will find the story is accredited to one Mikael... Stephen King. Mikael Honorides. If you right. click on the writer's name, the link leads to a something awful forum post entitled <laughs> Video Game Hoaxes and Urban Legends. The first post in the thread is about two things, Kill Switch and of course, Polybius. Huh. The link leads specifically to page 55 of the over 300 page thread. We should have known. Um, I mean, they made Slenderman. From a user named Mizu Zero on January 13th, 2011. The post reads, since this thread segged into a microfiction thread, here's one I wrote a while back and continues with, in its entirety with the text of the story of Pale Luna. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because I, you know, I've been a kind of a goon of something all for a long time. Some of our friends, you know, much more closely involved with that world than me. But what's funny about a lot of like the forums, like, like threads like this is like they're frequently interjected with people who aren't role playing it. Like they kind of have contempt for themselves in a way that like, like they propagate all these like fun stories, but then it's like nobody hates Slenderman more than something awful. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like it's, so here's the thing. <laughs> it's very funny. So investigation over. It's a something awful thing, just like Slenderman. Yeah. Just goes to show you how some people want so badly to be part of some weird mystery investigation that they ignore the most obvious piece of evidence that's right <laughs> in front of their eyes, which is a credit to where the post is originally from on the main page of the Creepypasta wiki. Yeah. They, but you know what's funny is I kind of get it. That's why I was I saying, yeah, like, yeah. It, you know, it's like, sure, like some people do become obsessive to the point that like... Things become real to them, mm-hmm. but at, at the same time, <laughs> we all have a desire to be interesting. Like you know, like it's. <laughs> However, oh god, is there more what? to this too? No. Right. Well, kind of. You know what doesn't Taking have its on origins turn. on something awful? Oh, kill switch. Engage. No. <laughs> Although this was very hard to Google. <laughs> because of that fucking band. Not because of the other video game. But no, because of the that band. didn't come up. Yeah. Although if you do Google Kill Switch game, that does come up. I found out it was Namco, by the way. Was it? Yeah, yeah, it says even developed by, which is hmm. it was ahead of its time, that game. So, of course, my curiosity once again peaked. If something awful doesn't even know where Kill Switch is from, <laughs> then where the hell is Kill Switch from? If, there, if, something awful, if something awful is putting Kill Switch on the same level as Polybius and discussing it, then there's got to be an interesting story there, right? Yeah. Well, we'll find out next week oh. on part two <laughs> when I cover my investigation into Kill Switch. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fucking wild. It, that, I mean, part of the that's like a fucking great story. Yeah, because like part of the uh, what made me want to do Polybius was it was like, well, I'm already going into this sort of knowing the ending, you know, but. Then it just sort of kept that story just kept branching off and growing into its own thing. Like, you know, like it's just, yeah. it's sort of like, 
It's it's this the fiction, weird build, unsol- the fiction it's, builds its own yeah, reality. It's this weird unsolved mystery where the metafiction Intrigues. becomes more interesting than the fiction itself. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we'll come back next week. Yeah. Thanks for listening. This is uh, like Randy said. This is a bonus. <laughs> we wanted to do four Halloween episodes. Yeah. Uh, because that's what we had last We year. rarely get to do our spooky hot button stories, and we're going to fit in as many as we possibly can. Uh, so, <laughs> giving you guys a whole month full. This is a bit of a shorter episode, and uh, I'm assuming next episodes. No, I'm excited. On I Kill Switch. Like... We'll probably also be shorter, but tune in to hear the thrilling conclusion of my lazy research into two gaming creepypastas <laughs> that I did creepy while pasta not wearing pants. Creepy fettuccine corner. <laughs> that was a dig at me being Italian, and I don't appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I'm also Italian. Are you, though? And so is Chris. We've already been over this on the podcast. Your last name is English. It's Anglo-Saxon, sir. Uh. <laughs> um, you seen his hair? It's not about his last name, it's about his mop. (laughs) Yeah, my mop is very Italian. All right, well, thank you for listening to Are You Afraid of the Dark? (laughs) If this is your first episode of Hot Button, we have... Dumb. Why'd you start on episode whatever? Yeah. (laughs) If if you're into spooky shit, we have, at this point... Like six episodes full of spooky shit. You can you yeah. can go on to hotbuttoncast.com. There's a new collections tab. And if you click oh, on that, right. you will find yeah. our Halloween collection, which I will be adding these episodes to and more. We covered Polybius. We covered Om Shinrikyo, Devotion, yeah. Help Me Out, The Madden Curse, uh, Resident, Re- Resident Evil. Evil. Yeah. And what was the uh, other Halloween one? Hong Kong. Wait, Hong, Hong Kong 97. We mentioned that. That's a great episode uh, and comes up a lot. Yeah. And then Weirdly if you're enough. interested in video game stories that aren't spooky or some of them that still are, yeah. like our Tetris four-parter gets a little spooky sometimes. <laughs> Hell yeah, it does. Uh, you know, when Russia gets involved, things <laughs> get always, spooky. It's always spooky. Um, you can find all those and more on our website. You can also find us on any podcast service that you want. Just look up Hot Button Podcast. And also, you can find us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Hot Button Cast. We will keep you up to date with what episodes are coming. Again, like I said, next week we have... Yeah, come on back. You don't have to wait two weeks, though. Finish the, uh, the little saga here. And then November, we'll be having some specials on the Xbox launch, as well as... Thanksgiving video game. Our, our two-year <laughs> yes, anniversary. Oh, my God. Yep. So, yeah, thank you for listening, yeah, and tune in next week to hear what Something Awful has to say about Kill Switch. <laughs> <laughs>